Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study through Psalms and we've come to our scripture reading today, which is Psalms 61 through 65. If you're going through Psalms five chapters a day, then this is what you've come to and you're reading Psalm chapters 61 through 65. And once again, I'm, I'm just really enjoying going through the book of Psalms. It just seems uh, like every single day, there is just certain points that are incredible to go and to look at, just something that is, is new and fresh and the Holy Spirit is illuminating it every morning. I hope that you are spending time in God's Word, and whether it's reading through Psalms five chapters a day or whether it's something else, I, I just really hope that you're doing that. Uh, but we are going to be reading Psalm chapter 63 and Psalm chapter 65 today. Uh, and we're going to be really focusing in on Psalm chapter 63. But if you'd follow along as I read Psalm chapter 63, uh, this is what it's going to stay, say starting in verse 1. Before I do that, I, I, I do want to just go and encourage you to leave a comment over at shoutsofgrace.substack.com uh, and just let me know how, how you're doing through the scripture reading uh, on this. Um, you know, whether uh, you're going through it at your own pace, if you're going through it in June uh, as we're looking at it, or maybe you're, you know, going to be doing this, maybe you're listening to this a few months in the future, and it just so happens to have 30 days in that month as well, and you're going, hey, I might as well go and read through the book of Psalms, uh, five chapters a day. And if that's what you're doing there, well, just go ahead and leave a comment as well. Once again, that's shoutsofgrace.substack.com. But this is what it says in Psalm chapter 63, starting in verse 1. It says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. And then chapter 65, we're also going to read that. It says this, starting in verse 1. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. In you the vows shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, you to you all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to reproach you, approach you, not reproach, but approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. 
By awesome deeds and righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation, you who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far-off seas, who establish the mountains by a strength, being clothed with power, you who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The rivers of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows, and you make soft with shower. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. You, they drop on the pasture of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Well, we, we, we see here in Psalm chapter 65 and, and in Psalm chapter 63 specifically really an uplifting of God and specifically his goodness, specifically the goodness of God. And we, we really do just, just see this being uh, shown over and over again and how God goes and he, he takes care of these things. He's the one who establishes the mountains. He clothes them with power. He goes and he can still the noise of the seas. He can go and, and his river is full of water. We, we, we see this here. God is good. And I want you to remember that. You know, in, in the midst of trying days, it is so important that we remember the goodness of God, especially as this world seems to be getting more and more wicked. We need to remember the goodness of God, and then we need to walk in the goodness of God. But I really want to focus this morning on Psalm chapter 63 and the first part of Psalm chapter 63. It starts off and, and it says, O God, you are my God. Now, that might seem really simple to state. Oh, God, you are my God. But it is an incredibly important declaration. I mean, we think of Romans 10.9, that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. But, but if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, it's saying that, that he is Lord, he is Lord of all, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that he is God. That's part of our salvation, is recognizing who God is. Do you declare with your life, oh God, you are my God? And if you declare that with your life, is it an accurate declaration? Or will people be able to go and to look into your life and say, oh, no, 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 that there is, there is something else. There is a different idol that you worship in your life. And so though you might be saying that God is your God, really it's something else. You know, I remember one time, uh, and, and this was, oh, let me think here. I was probably about 22, maybe 21, 21, 22 years old. And I was in my office, and I was uh, preparing for a sermon. And one of the ways that I prepare, because I I, I don't just go and prepare the sermon. You know, uh, if if you're a an aspiring pastor out there, an aspiring preacher, you you know, 
1 Timothy chapter 3, it goes over the qualifications of a bishop or a pastor, and it says if a, if a man uh, desires the position of a bishop, uh, he desires a good thing. So I, I'm not going to discourage that if you're somebody who's going out there and saying, look, I, I desire this, but, but, but this is something that I wish more of the young pastors understand. I, I wish more of the old pastors would understand this. I, I was going and preparing a, a sermon, but as I was preparing the sermon, I wasn't just going and preparing the sermon. You know, I wasn't just going and working on my notes, but I was actually preparing the preacher. And one of the important things to do that is really to praise the Lord. That was one of the things. I, I, I would spend more time um, it, preparing the, the preacher than I would the sermon, and it would be through going and doing devotions that might have nothing to do with what I was preaching, or at least uh, the, the intention of that. More time spent praying and confession of sin, more time spent praising God than, than even studying. And I wasn't slack in my study by any means, but this is important that the preacher is prepared even more so than the notes of the sermon. But as I was doing this, I was going and I was, was preparing, and I was just going through an old hymnal. And as I was going through the old hymnal, uh, one of the songs, a song that, that I mean, uh, you, you know, I hadn't sang for a long time, it was, Is You're All on the Altar. And in that, it goes and it says, Is You're All on the Altar of Sacrifice Laid, Your Heart Does the Spirit Control. And as I was singing that, I look up and I realize that on my bookshelf, um, uh, on one of the the top shelves, I, I had this almost shrine towards Iowa State. Now, I love if there's one thing that you you should know about me. Well, this isn't really what you should know about me, but 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 if there's one thing that you want to know about me here, I don't know if this is really what you want to know about me either. But I really really love Iowa State basketball. I mean, I. I I really enjoy Iowa State basketball. In fact, one time I was preparing to watch an Iowa State basketball game. And don't you prepare to watch basketball games? You know, and pre by preparing to watch, I'm not talking about, you know, popping the popcorn and uh, making sure that the TV's pointed right or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I mean, I went back and I was watching games of the previous year um, of the team that Iowa State was getting ready to play. It happened to be Oklahoma. And they had played them three times the year before, and I was going and breaking down their offense, and it was at the time when Buddy Heald was playing for them, you know, so I knew that Buddy Heald was a tremendous three-point shooter in transitions. Cousins was their uh, was their off guard um, and their backup point guard. Um, really, he was their starting two guard, but he also ran their second unit. And he was really good off the dribble at shooting threes if he used a hang dribble, specifically two hesitations. Then he was really good, especially if he's dribbling with his left hand. And, and then I, I saw that Woodard, uh, I, I believe maybe it was Woodford, I don't remember now at this point uh, exactly what his last name was, but I remember he was their starting point guard and he was really good at, at the catch and shoot three point shot. In fact, then when I went and watched this show or, or this uh, this game here when Iowa State actually played them, I was calling out their plays. And, you know, I mean, this was in the middle of Applebee's and I realized as people were looking at me really strange as I'm calling out the other team's plays. And, 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 you know, yelling at Iowa State that they needed to pick up Buddy Heald and transition sooner because that was his shot, especially off center to the left. He really liked that three point shot. See, I'm getting way too far into this here. 
But I really like Iowa State basketball. That was the point I was making. And as I was singing this song, uh, Is Your All on the Altar, I I realized as I looked up on my bookshelf that I had basically a shrine or what you'd call an idol to Iowa State basketball. And at the peak of this was an autographed Jeff Hornacek basketball that I remember me and my dad, we, we waited in line for what seemed three eons to get an autograph uh, of Jeff Hornacek. Uh, who was, you know, the only Iowa, well, actually now there's uh, Tyrese Halliburton has become an all-star as well for Iowa State. But for the longest time, he's the only uh, ever all-star, NBA all-star that, uh, you know, wore an Iowa State uniform. But but I had that and I realized I was so convicted. I took that and I went and I threw it away because I realized not that it was bad, but that it had become an idol in my heart. And I wanted to be able to rightly say, oh, God, you are my God. I want to be able to say that honestly. Can you honestly say that in your life? Oh God, you are my God. The next phrase is key because it says, early will I seek you. You know, what is the first thought when your feet hit the floor in the morning? Okay, maybe the second thought, because the first thought might be, you know, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And so, you know, you're going to go get, get your coffee. But what is your 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 second thought? Or, or what is that, that thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? Is it that you want to know God and know him more? Or is it simply that you want to go and to, you know, make another dollar? There's nothing wrong with making another dollar, but it becomes wrong when... That's why you're getting up in the morning. Is it it something other than knowing God more and pleasing God in your life? Because if so, it might be the definition of a subtle idol, but it's still an idol. You need to make sure that God is what you're seeking early in the morning. That means the first thoughts that you have in the morning are that you are seeking God. This is why I really think it's important that you do your devotions in the morning. I, I used to, when I was younger, I used to do my devotions at night. And one of the things that I found, not that I, I, I never, I, I never missed them. I, I, I really didn't. But one of the things that I found was that sometimes it could leave my day out of priority. It could leave my day out of priority that I might not rightly prioritize God if I wasn't seeking him early in the morning. Then the next thing we see here really solidifies these two things that I've been saying. It says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Does that describe you? Or could you just kind of go, you know, I could make it today without reading my Bible. I could make it today without praying to God. You know, I, I could make it today without giving thoughts to my God. And, you know, I'll be honest, if, if those are your thoughts, if you want to know if those are your thoughts, stop and ask yourself, you know, on Sundays, could you go and say, you know, I could sleep in or, you know, I could miss church for the big game. I, I could go and, you know, just skip church today. It's not a big deal. If, if those are your answers, then you're not thirsting for God. You're not thirsting for God. Your flesh doesn't long for God like a cup of water in a dry and thirsty land. And that means you have an idol in your life. You might be the idol, but it's an idol 
nonetheless. And you need to put all on the altar of God. You need to be able to say in honesty, Oh God, you are my God. And of course, then it goes and it says in verse 2, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. You know, have you looked for God in the sanctuary? Have you gone to God's house looking for his glory and his power? You know, there are two really sad states of Christians today. One is those who are neo-Gnostics. I don't really know that I would truly call them Christians, but they would call themselves Christians. And those are people who they don't search for God in his sanctuary. They, they don't go to the house of God. They don't go to church. They, they, just, they just go and they say, look, I'm going to worship God out in the wilderness because God is here. I'm going to go worship God where I'm at because, you know, God is omnipresent. So I'm just worshiping God while I go and I fish and I abandon the assembly of ourselves together as them. You know, they're the ones who are doing it. They're, they're violating Hebrews 10.25. That's really sad. But there's another sad state of Christians. That's those who, they go to the sanctuary, but they're not looking to see the power of God in the glory of God. They either go to a church where God's presence is not there. It is a, a dry bone there. Or they don't truly believe in the power of God. They don't truly believe that he is the one who can change people's lives. He is the one who can dramatically take someone, pull them out of the muck and mire that they are in in life, and set their feet on solid ground. And they don't look for the glory of God to lift his name up so that he might be high and lifted up. You, you know, that is perhaps, the, I mean, like I said, the first one there, the Neonostics, I'm not sure that I would really call them Christians, uh, but the second ones, man, that is so sad when you see people who, who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're not looking for the power of God. They've forgotten the power of God, and, and they stop raising up the glory of God so that all might see who he is. Because in all honesty, if you're not looking for the power of God, if you're not looking and longing to see the glory of God, then it's questionable if you're really honestly saying, oh God, you are my God. You might have put him at number two in your life or number 32, but you certainly didn't put him at number one because when he's number one, you're excited to see the power of God. What is God going to do today? And you're excited to lift up the name of God so that others might see his glory. That's all we have time today. But thank you for listening. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. Oh, 
lives We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting Will end in God's timing Sing like the battle